Good Company is a production of iHeartRadio. Brands are having to get out of the place where they sort of sit on the sidelines of issues and of the, the space of having personality and really being able to embody those things for consumers to convey that sense of realness. Hi, I'm Michael Casson. Welcome to Good Company, where I'll explore how marketing, media, entertainment, and tech are intersecting, transforming our lives and the way we do business at a breakneck speed. I'll be joined by some of the greatest business minds and strongest leaders who will share how they've built companies from the ground up or transformed them from the inside out. My bet is you'll pick up a lesson or two along the way. It's all good. It's a pleasure today to welcome Rob English, the Chief Creative Officer of a company called Friends at Work. Mm-hmm. I just love the I love the name of the company, Rob. It's a, it's a pleasure to uh, to have a friend here at work. <laughs> Thank you very much. Likewise. You operated an interesting intersection, uh, Rob. The way I think of it is kind of management, entertainment, and social impact. Totally. It's a good three-prong approach. Can you chat a bit about your backstory? Love our audience to know a little bit how you ended up at that intersection. Totally. Well, I my background is in traditional advertising. I was in traditional advertising, doing a lot of lifestyle advertising in consumer packaged goods for many years. And I actually got the opportunity to start doing, um, to leave traditional advertising and start doing creative direction um, and marketing efforts, like specifically for music artists back in 2011. So I was able to do creative direction for Lady Gaga and John Mayer and just a myriad of amazing music artists, Miguel, et cetera, which was the first time that I sort of was able to leave traditional advertising and sort of be steeped in the middle of the culture, if you will. It's one thing to sort of, you know, being the model where advertising for a long time was where we were sort of the middleman between culture. And we were in a position where we would sort of choose the culture to bring into the brand world to do the selling. Um, so for me, it was a shift to be pushed into a space where I was not sort of pulling from culture, but actually being a part of creating it. So I've been doing that for the most part ever since, which has been an amazing ride. Um, through that work, been able to work with artists like John Legend and Lindsey Sterling on just a myriad of efforts and, you know, and through the process have been able to go through some really amazing shifts, just me personally, as well as professionally. Well, I got to hang out with John uh, Legend this summer in, in the south of France uh, during the Cannes Lions. Okay. And, and he was introducing his rosé. Yes. Uh, from his vineyard. And one of the great pictures of the year was uh, John and I uh, toasting one another on the beach in the south of France. With, yes, yes. Uh, his uh, legend vineyard LVE. Mm. I was there for that. That was an awesome event. It was it was great fun for me and increased my cool factor <laughs> to a level that I don't even know how to comprehend. But uh, I was so impressed with what he was doing and with his purpose. Not only his talent, obviously totally. he's a brilliantly talented artist, but also his purpose. Definitely. Just having spent some time with somebody who's in the business of purpose. When you, when you can bring the two together and have that cultural impact, and as, as we said in describing uh, Friends at Work, the social impact, that brings it all together. Oh, 100%. And it, for me, it just when I, when I say, like, I'm affected professionally and personally, through, we're through, it was through working with John that I was sort of ushered into the social impact space. I was sort of the culture guy, you know, cool guy, bringing the the aesthetic, the mass market. Appeal. I just want to interrupt you to tell our audience you are a cool guy. I appreciate that, but no, I, you know, and and I, I I 
really was sort of comfortable in that space, but it was, it was through working with John that because sort of, you know, by de facto, because I am working on his album art and production and tour design, et cetera, that I end up being pulled into his social impact work, um, which was really transformative for me because, you know, it was the first time that I was sort of brought into that space. And in that work, I really see like my role. And this is, I think, for a large part, the role that we do at Friends at Work, which is we figure out how to bring that sensibility of coolness and culture and mass market appeal to things that actually matter. So when we're doing these efforts, whether it's criminal justice reform or the future of education, like we try to bring the same sensibilities that we're bringing to, you know, for me personally, when I've done Reebok campaigns or, you know, Coca-Cola production or things in the past, like I'm trying to bring those sensibilities to these things that are actually important to me. Rob, in your opinion, and you've got the experience to to talk about this because of your background with more traditional, as you say, consumer packaged goods and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. And talent, I've always said, is not unlike a brand. You know, the brand that John Legend represents, the brand that Lady Gaga represents, totally. the brand that John Mayer represents, they, they are brands. Oh, yeah. For sure. They're people, but they're brands. What role do you think sort of content and brands as they come together, are playing in in shaping culture and shaping causes and and making those points because we're in a world where authenticity, that BS detector, is so high with the consumer that everybody wants today. People know what's real and and what's not. Oh, yeah. I sort of like had created a career out of reaching, you know, elusive audiences like women's fashion and teens and things of that nature. But I think, you know, for the most part, because of the Internet, the the world has gotten so much savvier. People are so because they're so much more connected. They're so much more connected to the to, to the world like they're able to they're they're Everyone's a photographer. Everyone's a writer. Everyone's a comedian. Like are their abilities to be able to to push past things maybe 10 or 15 years ago have changed dramatically. So that being, that being the case, like brands have in, as well as artists, like we, we have to be a lot more savvier. We've got to be a lot more honest in our portrayal. And I think like we, we just did a a research study, a Gen Z study where we're really trying to understand the new audiences and, you know, in our work and in looking at how we're able to understand the Gen Z audience, I, I think there's a lot of, there were a lot of things that were prevalent just around mass culture in general and, and being able to know and, and really understand that these are audiences that they're seeking truth. They're seeking truth in information, truth in, you know, truth in self um, and truth in their brands. And that that being the case, even when it's sort of perceived truth and not actual truth. I think when you look at a lot of the pop stars and the people that are driving culture today, they're individuals that represent truth. So you've got an, a pop star like Lizzo, who never would have been a pop star for the most part 20 years ago. For sure. She's someone that represents this idea of truth or Cardi B, um, whose popularity is so prevalent because people feel like they're actually getting a person. They're not getting a, a manufactured uh, persona. They're getting even even if there are elements of that that may be exaggerated, for the most part, they're getting they're getting what they feel is the real thing. And I think like what's what's interesting with that. Um, and how that sort of moves around the world culturally in our in our society, I think you know from a brand standpoint, like brands are having to get out of the place where they sort of sit on the sidelines um, of issues and of the the space of having personality and really being able to embody those things for consumers to convey that sense of realness. You talk about realness. I, I want to harken back to a Super Bowl spot. 
it was resonant with me because both as a father and a grandfather, I've had the stinky booty duty. Okay. <laughs> I've done it. So you took something that's a, kind of an interesting subject and you put it on the Super Bowl, you know, with John Legend and Adam Levine. And it's funny for me because Adam grew up with my kids and, and went to high school with my kids. Oh, wow. So I've known him since he was a kid, not since diapers, but, you know, since he was a teenager. I just thought it was it was impactful because what you were actually saying, and it had cultural meaning, it was a, a clarion call to dads. Like, this is also, you know, it just it just worked. What was the motivation and what did you hope to achieve other than entertaining? And, you know, Pampers wants to sell more diapers. We know that. What did you hope to achieve? And were you surprised that it actually had such cultural impact? Well, you know, it's an interesting thing. So I'm a dad as well. And we had done a stinky booty duty spot with John in the previous year. And it was a, a, a much smaller effort, but there was so much adoration of the spot and, and, and love of that from dads around, you know, the country because they've, it, they've, it was one of the rare times that you had actually seen a dad in a diaper commercial and specifically not just a dad, a competent dad. There's sort of this trope that is in a lot of like pop culture and sitcoms and entertainment of the bumbling father. Right. But what, I what, changed a pretty good diaper as a father and as a grandfather, I'm well, telling you. Well, so, so have I. There you go. Um, and, you know, and as the dad, a lot of times, like, because you can't feed, um, you are the diaper duty person. Exactly. Like, that's the one thing that's that your job. you can handle. Exactly. Um, so it was just this really sweet thing that I, I felt like people resonated with. One, because it was they were seeing something that they didn't see very often, but they know exists because these are changing times and dads are a lot more engaged than they used to be. And brands need to be able to show that. So Pampers really stepped up and, you know, put John in a position, one, to, to, sh to show that change and to, to also give a window into this really intimate moment between a father and um, his, his child. So when we did the Super Bowl spot, it was really sort of the elevation of that and then, you know, bringing it to a stage where we amplified it. And we did it with even more dads. So we were able to bring that to, you know, we've got John doing this moment. He's got Luna sort of supporting him, but also at the same time, you've got this choir of dads and specifically with the choir of dads, like we really wanted to do our job of really showing a representation of a wide range, you know, from sort of same sex dads to masculine dads, to the normal average dad, to uh, multiracial. Like we really tried to cover the gamut to show, you know, engaged fatherhood looks really different in 2019. Um, and this is something that should be celebrated. So the spot, for the most part, was really a celebration of that, and it it seemed to to hit a chord. Well, and 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 Proctor has been such a, a brilliant marketer hitting those kinds of chords. What they did for moms around the Olympics, you, oh, know, yeah. you know, what they did now with with dads around this topic. It's great because it's real. It goes back to authenticity. We yep. all know what that's like. Anyone who's experienced having a kid or a grandkid or a nephew or a niece or whatever, whatever opportunity you get to totally. practice those skills, you know, it's, you know, it's real. Yeah. Well, yeah. P and G in particular, you know, we, we've had the pleasure of working with tons of brands. We work with Google and HP just across the board, you know, through, through the work that we've done, we've, we've been able to touch a lot of brands, but P and G in particular um, for a brand uh, entity of that size to have sort of this authentic view of, of that work. And you know, like that, that doesn't come from a place of, just trying to sell products that comes from a company value standpoint, um, which really resonated with us, which is why our relationship has sort of continued to grow over time. And I wanted to ask you in your advice, as you look at 
you know, the future, if you look over the horizon, if we all agree that great storytelling is still going to be at the core of, of how you tell a story mm-hmm. and how you get a message out, it's going to be more competitive now. Are there any bits of advice you can give to the brands who need that breakthrough? When I, when I go into a scenario, I'm trying to think about the people that care about something a lot less than I do. Like I, I never try to, I never take my eye or my ear off of the, the people who don't care about what I want them to care about. In my experience, like there's two things you can do to really reach those audience. One is to be respectful. And I think it's never about talking down to people. It's, it's never about shaming. It's really about how can you create the conditions for conversation? How can you create the conditions for inclusivity and really draw people in? And then how can you do it in a way where you allow people to be able to see themselves? How can you present a subject matter or a problem in a way that connects to someone's life in a personal way? So specifically as an example, like when we did, when we branded uh, John Legend's Free America Social Impact Initiative, we called it Free America. Um, on the criminal reform. On criminal justice reform. Right. Like we called it Free America for a very in- intentional purpose. Like that was named Free America because even though, you know, mass incarceration is a problem that over indexes on, you know, black and brown men, it's not, it's not a black and brown man issue. It's not a black guy issue. It's, it's, a, it's, it's an, American, an issue. American issue. So we called it Free America because even even from the perception of, of that standpoint, like we wanted people to understand like this is an American problem. This is something that affects us all. And it's something that we all should pay attention to. So even even those little nods um, of how we're able to sort of pull people in and really create, again, like I said, create the conditions for them to feel like one, they can actually be a part of the conversation but also allowing them to see themselves. I think those are a couple of ways that we try to bring people in and do this work in a way that can reach audiences that aren't the most concerned with a a particular subject matter. But it worked. We had the good news of criminal justice reform and things that would have been, um, you know, seemingly unreachable before. Yes. And the artists who got behind it and the people who really joined hands and made it an American issue. Yeah. As you said, yeah, a cultural change happened. And, a, and, a, and an awareness. So congratulations. Oh, well, thank and, you. And thank you. And I want to thank you today for taking the time and, and I appreciate your insights and I'd love, love, love to see friends at work continue to thrive. Thank you, man. Take care. All right. I'm Michael Casson. Thanks for listening to Good Company. Good Company is a production of iHeartRadio. A special thanks to Lena Peterson, Chief Brand Officer and Managing Director of MediaLink, for her vision on Good Company. And to Jen Seeley, Vice President, Marketing Communications of MediaLink, for programming amazing talent and content. Good Company is edited by Jessica Kreinchich. 